Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. Good morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for coming in and bringing the worship this morning. That was great. When I got the message yesterday for Cliff, the songs that these guys were planning on coming and singing, I just started laughing. And I told them that this morning because the song we just sang was part of my message this morning. They didn't know that. Didn't have a clue. Um, and I just started laughing. Because I love it when God... I'm going to sit this over here. Is that okay? I love it when God has a plan um, and we don't even know it. I love when God shows His power and His grace. Um, every song we, talked, we sang this morning talked about the greatness of God. And that's what we're preaching about this morning. They didn't know it. Had no clue. But God did. God knew. And I don't even know how many millions of minutes ago he knew what was going to happen this morning at Crossroads Baptist Church. But he knew these two young men were going to come and he planted in their hearts whatever song to sing for whatever reason he did. That might have been the four songs they know the best and they wanted to look good. But you know what? God used it for his purpose. And how many times as Christians do we get caught up questioning God's purpose because we don't know exactly if that fits exactly with what we want to do in our lives. How many blessings do we miss because we think we got it figured out? That song I told you, I was going to mention this story and I meant, I was planning on mentioning it at the end but I can't wait. So I'm getting all out of order and this might mess up everything but again, it's not me. I'm just telling you all what God asked me to say to y'all. But a little over a year ago, a year and a week ago, I was in Kansas City for an FCA training. And I met a man there. His name is Deshaun Thompson. He is the uh, FCA uh, representative at, the, at Ole Miss at the University of Mississippi. And he works there at the college at the university with their athletic teams and FCA. And he, that song, we were driving to a place called, I told y'all about before, called the... Um, International House of Prayer. That's the place they called it IHOP. And I was excited when they said we're going to IHOP and then we pulled into a church. And I'm like, they better have some good pancakes made by the Holy Ghost at this church. And um, But no, I, if you have ever go to Kansas City or any place that has an International House of Prayer, plan an hour just to go. Because your life will be changed. Um, at this International House of Prayer, you go in there and you just sit and they have praise bands playing. They rotate every hour. 24 hours a day, you can go in there and just sit and pray. And you think, well, what do you do there? I said, you get closer to God than you've probably ever been in your life when you're surrounded by people that are praying and praising Him all at the same time. It changed my life. 
It literally did. But on the way there, we were listening to the radio. There was seven or eight of us in this vehicle. We were all crammed in there. Um, and Deshaun was sitting next to me. And this song came on. And uh, one day I'm going to get Deshaun to come talk to y'all. Just to, just to, because he's, he's, he's an awesome man, but he's got this voice and it's deep. And I said, man, if I ever need a promo cut, I'm calling you to voice it because he's just got this great radio voice. And he said, uh, he said, this song, the first time I ever had heard this song was in church. And I said, really? And he said, we had a girl that was in a, I believe it was a car accident, if I'm not mistaken. I think she was 14 years old. It collapsed both of her lungs. The accident did. They had to put her on the ventilator. They didn't think she was going to make it. And through a lot of prayer and and uh, just the, the church just loving on that family, she survived. She got lung capacity back. And her first day back at church, she sang that song. And it literally says, it's your breath that's in my lung. lungs. And so we pour out our praise to you. This is a 14-year-old girl that just weeks or months before could not breathe on her own. And they didn't think she was going to live. And she shows up to church and she's thanking God for the breath in her, in her lungs. How real is that? I can't hear that strong anymore without thinking about that girl. Because I realize how much I complain how much I don't thank God for the blessings He's given me. And here's this girl singing this song, thanking God literally because she has breath in her lungs because of Him. And because of that, she's pouring out her praise. And how many times do we hold back our praise? I guarantee you, every chance she gets for the rest of her life to thank God for the breath in her lungs, she will. I can promise you that. But God help me if it ever comes to where I'm in a life and death situation before I realize I need to thank God for what He's done for me in my life. How many times do good things happen that we just kind of blow off as, whoo, thank goodness that worked out. Instead of thanking God that worked out. It's a little change of words, but there's a huge difference in me. You know, we, we started last week talking about the voice and how much your voice can be good for you, how much your voice can get you in trouble, the spoken words that you say. And it led into this series that we're starting this week on the five senses. Um, and we're going to start today with taste. And there's a reason, a specific reason we're starting with the sense of taste. It's because I'm on a diet and I really want to taste some good food. And so the Lord is just leading me this. That's not true. Um... I am on a diet. I've complained about it enough up here. You guys know that. Um, but uh, uh, it's taste is good. I hate water. Why? Because it doesn't taste like anything. I live now on these liter bottles of water that are flavored like Fuji apples. And the reason I love them so much is when you drink it, it literally tastes like you're biting into an apple, which is a fruit I can't eat right now. So I imagine that I'm eating an apple while I'm drinking a liter of water. I do. My wife's rolling her eyes because she knows it's kind of true. I, taste is important. Sometimes I feel sorry for skinny people. 
Thank you, brother. Thank you. Because I just feel like they haven't experienced enough good taste in the world. Because if you experienced some of the taste that I've experienced, you wouldn't be skinny. You'd be fighting the same battle I am. So I feel sorry for you. I do. But taste is important. Taste is huge. And through our what we taste in life can dictate how the rest of our life goes. Because you see, the word taste in the Bible, you can take the word taste and it can literally be translated just about every time into the word experience. So where you see the word taste in the Bible, unless it's literally talking about eating food, which happens a lot in the Old Testament, where it tells you to, to eat the honey and, and things like that. Unless you're literally talking about eating food, if it's a figurative use of the word taste, it can change, you can change that word or interchange it with the word experience. That 14-year-old girl in Mississippi experienced something, and out of that she tasted how good the Lord is to her. Does that make sense? She experienced not being able to breathe and when the lungs filled with air on their own and that machine wasn't pumping air and she could inhale and exhale on her own, she literally experienced how good God was. And she had a taste of the glory of God. And what did she do? The first day back at church, she praised Him. That's the way it should be. God gives us experiences all the time. We taste how good it is, how good God is to us, and we should praise Him for that. You know, talking about experiences, I, um, most of you guys know that uh, I went to, to college at the U of A. I was on a band scholarship, and I had been to Razorback games my whole life, and there's a bet going on between a family and our church that we're going to talk about the football game yesterday, and I am not going to talk about the football game yesterday. Um, so one of y'all is about to lose. I'm not going to point out which Davis that is. Um, but, um, sorry. Uh, but um, I told Anthony, we only talk about positive things at church, so we're not going to discuss that game yesterday. But at least those nights. Okay, that's it. See? You can't get away from it. Um, but here's the thing. When, when I went to school, I'd gone to Razorback games my whole life. Uh, dad, mom, and, uh, well... Dad loved the hogs. Mom, it was a sport, so she did what she did. Um, she's not in here, so she can't throw anything at me. But um, we went to games and uh, would see it. And I remember watching the band before the game. And every pregame for years, they've, uh, they form, it's called the Big A. And the Big A goes up and down the field, and then at the end, the team runs out of it. And it's always one of the favorite things to see. It's really cool. Um, how they can go from lines and then all of a sudden they take three or four steps and there's a huge A on the field. It just appears out of nothing. Um, and it's a really cool deal. They march up and down the field. If you ever get to experience that in life, help you because it's difficult. Um, we've learned that the hard way. Heather was involved in that as well. But I remember my first year at the U of A, the very first game I ever marched uh, was in Little Rock. Um, it was the first game of the year. There was a big crowd. The team hadn't been that great, but there was a big crowd there. We get out there at pregame, 50,000 people around us, and I'm from Smackover, okay? Um, 50,000 people is just a little bit more than what I'm used to, but there's 50,000 people there watching us on that field at that time. Now, they didn't come to see us. I'm not crazy. They came to see the football team, but we were what were out there at that time. 
okay? And we get out there, we go through the pregame show, I'm nervous because when I mean, there's 50,000 people watching you, if you mess up, you're the one that's gonna be seen. There's 300 of the other of us on the field, but if one person messes up, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So I'm wanting to make sure I get it right, make sure I'm gonna get to do everything right. And we get through the fight song, and we get through the next song we play, and we get through the national anthem, we get through the alma mater, and then they do this drum cadence, and you march around, and you get in all these weird spots, and then all of a sudden at the very end of it, here comes the big A. And we get her marching around, and I'm doing great, and I'm like, we're almost done, we're almost done, and we get to the big A, and as we get there, I hear the crowd start cheering and clapping and getting louder and louder and louder. And by the time we got in the big A and turned around, the crowd was screaming so loud down on that field that I literally just froze. I had been in the crowd my whole life, but now I was in the moment. And 50,000 people were screaming down at me, and I was literally in awe of the situation I was in. I was able to keep myself going because if I didn't, the guy behind me would have ran me smooth over when it was time to go. So I was able to get myself going, but I will never forget that moment when everybody was looking at us and the cheers were coming because everybody knew what was going to happen next. That meant the game was about to start and here came the team, or here comes the team. And it was a moment that I had been around my whole life but I never truly experienced it. And in that moment, I got a taste of what it was like to be in that type of excitement. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a player getting cheered on by that many people. I love sports. Y'all know that. Former coach. Played as much as I could when I was growing up. I love sports, but I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a player on a college team or a pro team and have that many people excited about what you do. Because see, here's the thing. This is what I want us to, this is kind of one of the main points here today. We have no true concept of the reality of anything until we experience it firsthand for ourselves. Okay? Have no true concept of the reality of anything until we experience it firsthand for ourselves. Now some of y'all might look at that and say, now wait a minute, I don't know if I completely agree with that. And that's okay. That's okay. But I'm going to try to explain it as best I can. I had been in those bleachers and had seen this moment happening my whole life, but I never knew how real it could be in that moment until I was there on that field that day. It gave me a whole new perspective about where I was at and what I was involved in. Let me go on and jump on the big elephant in the room. God. Okay? We have no true concept of the reality of anything until we experience it firsthand for ourselves. Take anything out and put God. We have no true concept of the reality of God until we experience it firsthand ourselves. I'm going to say that's a true statement because if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, your life was radically changed. And there was a repentance and there was a turn in direction from going this way straight to hell to this way straight to heaven. And until you made that turn, you didn't know the reality of what God could do in your life until you experienced that firsthand. 
You might have known God was there. You might have believed God was there. You might actually believe that God has done great things for you, but until He changed your life, you didn't know how good it could be until that had actually happened. Does that make sense? So there is a point in every experience where something becomes real to you. Something becomes life-changing to you. I've preached that sermon here, Life-Changing Experiences. And I'm not going to go through that, but when your life is changed, it's something you never forget. It's something you never forget. So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a few verses today. They're going to be on the screen. You can look them up in your Bible if you want to. But we're going to start in Psalms chapter 34. Look into verses 1 through 8. Verse 8 you've all heard before. And you might have heard 1 through 7 before too. But we're going to look at three different... Boy, this is going to be a long day. Three different aspects. Three different aspects. There we go. Of this. We're going to look at this. And this, you're going to look at this and say, this is way too simple. And it is. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was preparing this sermon, I had the thought, this is way too simple. It's way too simple. But I left it like that for a purpose. We're going to look at three, three things out of these verses. God is great. God is God. And God is good. It sounds like a children's Sunday school song, doesn't it? It does, but it's the truth. You know what I think one of the biggest problems in Christianity is today? We make things too hard. We make things too difficult. We try to think through things and put our reasoning to it when God just said this is all you got to do. God made it simple on us. You read the Bible, you do what the Bible says, you're going to be okay. That's simple. But we as Christians have made things difficult by trying to figure out how that can impact our lives and how we can do what the Bible says according to what we want to do. And then we hope that's going to be okay rather than just doing what the Bible says. It's simple and we've made it too hard. So when I was sitting there contemplating this and thinking, you know, this is too simple, I had to sit there and think, no, wait a minute. It's not too simple. This is just as simple as it needs to be. We're going to look at these verses here, uh, verses 34, I'm sorry, chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. Um, it's kind of small on the screen, so hopefully you can see it. I apologize for that, but I'll start reading it. The first part, we were talking about God being great. We're going to look at this, and then I'm going to read these, and I'm going to give you a little background. Verse 1 through uh, 3, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord, but all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. The first part of this song, who most people believe was written by David, starts out the first three verses praising God. Lifting Him up. Exalting Him. Lifting Him up. Now, this tells us right now that God is great. I could stop right there and say, look what David did. Follow his example and you're good. He praised God. But let me give you a little bit of background on when David wrote this psalm here. What had happened, this is right after he had just found out that Saul didn't like him that much and was trying to have him killed. They were trying, Saul was chasing David to kill him because he knew how much favor David had in the lives of God. And he knew David was next in line. So if Saul wanted to continue to be who he was, David had to go. So Saul was having to try to have him killed, even to the point David was captured. And right before he wrote this, um, I believe it's in 1 Samuel, I believe, off the top of my head, if you go back and read, David was brought before another king and faked being insane 
to be released. When they brought him in front of that king, he started foaming at the mouth. He started acting all crazy and he started acting like he had lost his mind. That king said, why are you bringing me a crazy person? I have enough of them on my own. I don't need him and he's insane. He's not going to hurt anybody. Send him on. So David foamed at the mouth till he got outside of town and then ran and got away from there but was so thankful that he was able to escape that situation and God had delivered him from that situation. So when he gets back, he writes this song. So he literally knows his life has been threatened by somebody earlier in life that he trusted, that he worked with and worked for. And not only that, he just literally had to play crazy to not be captured and put away. God delivered him from a life and death situation. So when he gets back, what's the first thing he does? He praises God. That 14-year-old girl, the first time she got the chance to publicly praise God, what did she do? She praised God. She wrote a chapter of a book of her life about that incident. The first three paragraphs would be praising God. Because God is great. She wouldn't be where she is today if it wasn't for the grace, the love, the care of God. That was, that's her story. And that's the story that David's telling here. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. How many times do we walk around in our lives and constantly speak the praises of God? Not near enough. Not near enough. I will boast only in the Lord. How many times do we talk about how good of a job we did? Look what we did. Look what I did. We boast in ourselves, but let's be honest, it doesn't matter what you do. If God didn't give you the ability or the talents or the time, you wouldn't have done it. So there's no reason to boast in yourself. You should be saying, look what God allowed me to accomplish in my life through Him. That's what David's doing here. David came up with the plan to act crazy. But he knows that wasn't his plan. It was God's plan. I will boast only in the Lord that all who are helpless take heart. If you feel lost, if you feel helpless, hold on to the fact that God is there and God is great. That's what David's telling you right there. Hold on to the fact that God has a plan for you and God will deliver you and God already knows what situation you're going through and He's going to take care of it. Verse 3, it says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. What are we here for? We're together. This is where we exalt His name. We lift His name. But you know what? There's times outside of the church where you can exalt His name and lift His name together. Ever seen anybody in the Walmart parking lot and just pray and stop, stop and talk and pray with them? There's a story that Hutch has told and I'm going to tell his story because he's not up here and I can. After his accident where uh, he went skydiving out of a deer stand <clears throat> and bounced twice. <laughs> I love telling this story. Um, after he fell out of the deer stand, he is coming out of Walmart, and it was one of his first trips to Walmart, and he was riding in one of those scooters and gets out to his vehicle, and he's standing there trying to put the groceries in, and he was struggling. 
um, with all the injuries that he had. And a man he didn't know came up to him and stopped and said, hey, can I help you? And help him put his groceries in. And then said, do you mind if I pray for him? Man didn't know Hutch from Adam, but saw a person in need and stopped and prayed with him. I believe that would follow the description of let us tell the Lord's greatness and let us exalt His name together. But it says he drove home with tears in his eyes that day. It's a wonder he didn't have another accident. But little things like that that you can do for others, you serving others. One of our core principles here out of the crossroads rise is serving. We want to serve others. You never know how that little moment of seeing somebody you think might be in need and just praying for them will change their life, not just their day. It will change their life. So if God's done something good for you, praise Him and get with somebody and pray that God does the same thing for them. Be there for somebody else. Verses 4-7 through seven talks about how God is good. <coughs> 4 through 7, it says, I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. God is good. But God is God. I said that out of order. God is God. Yes, He's good. We're going to get there. But God is God. Whatever problems you have in your life, whatever you're facing, David saying, hey, I was sitting here facing death and I prayed in desperation to God. He was at His last room. You ever had one of those moments you felt like it was over? Yes, sir. If something, to Miss Debbie, yes, you're going to tell your testimony one day and I can't wait to hear it. You feel like you're at the end of your rope and that rope is frayed. So you're hanging on to a string and you cry out to God in desperation. He hears at that time. And He has a plan. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from my troubles. God is God. There's not a problem that happens in your life that He's surprised by. There's not a problem that happens in your life that He didn't know about as long back as we can even comprehend and when you get back to that point of our comprehension of how long God's been there, then add 16 million levels of your comprehension and that's how long He's been there. Mind blown. Stuff like that, I just it, it blows my mind to think that God's always been there. And He's known about you from the time He's always been there. Known about you. Not just us. You specifically. He's known. David says here in the verse above, those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. You know why? That joy doesn't come from us. That hope doesn't come from us. That hope comes from God. If we look to Him and we truly trust Him, even in times of trouble, we're going to find joy when we know things are going to be okay. It doesn't make sense. We don't know how, but we believe and we know because God gives us a peace that passes our understanding that everything's going to be okay. 
we find joy in the midst of sorrow because we serve the one and only God who can give us that peace and that comfort. God is good. I'm sorry, God is God. I keep saying the wrong thing. One more O is messing me all up. God is God. And He's in control. There's no reason for us to try to take over in any aspect of our life. He's got it in hand. He's got everything taken care of. Now you're sitting here listening to me you're wondering what in the world does this have to do with taste? That's what you're supposed to be talking about here. Well, we're going to get here to where I've been trying to say because this is where I'm heading this whole time that God is good. Verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Take that word taste out and put experience. Experience that the Lord is good. Miss Debbie, you believe the Lord's good this morning, don't you? You've experienced it. You've experienced it. Watching Brother Steve walk in this morning laughing made my day because I didn't expect him to be here. When he walks in, he's got a smile on his face and his neck's broken. What am I complaining about? Made my day to see him coming in laughing. Miss Ruth, with what you've been, we've been through so much but we know that the Lord is good. Because we find joy because we take refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience and see that the Lord is good. You know, there's a thing here I want to talk about. When we're talking about the word taste, and I'm going to shift over to this right quick. Why did I use this verse for the sense of taste? And then use it when we're talking about seeing. Okay? Why did I choose that for taste? Well, here's what I want you to know. I can imagine how good or how bad something will taste, but until I actually put that food in my mouth and eat it, I really don't know. Remember what we talked about earlier? You can you can know something or you can think something, but until you actually experience it, you don't know the reality of it until you actually have that experience. Well, it's the same thing here with this. Why did I use that? Well, here's the thing. I want to tell you all this story. My son, Timmy, he's not here today. Um, But he is the most picky eater I've ever seen in my life. Hands down. The boy would eat a pepperoni pizza three meals a day if we let him because he knows he likes it. If it's not pepperoni pizza, the boy wants a cheeseburger and french fries because he knows he likes it. Other than that, he might eat bologna every now and then because he actually tried it. But that's it. I mean, that's his three food groups. Pizza, cheeseburgers, bologna sandwiches. Make shopping easy. But he is so picky. Last year when he was playing, or two years ago, he was playing football, junior high football, and it was game day, and he called me. He said, Dad, they're having a pregame meal, and I don't think I'm going to like it. And I was like, big surprise there. He said, do you mind bringing me something? And I'm like, well, I'm in El Dorado. I'm not going to bring you a pizza before you play a game. You don't need to eat a cheeseburger before you play a game. And I'm not just going to go buy bread and bologna and bring you a sandwich and make it myself. So what do you want? And he's like, he's like, I don't know. I just, I just want something to eat before the game. And I said, well, let me do this. I'm going to bring you a sandwich. It won't be bologna, but you'll like it. You just got to trust me. And he, you know how teenagers are. 
don't know. And I'm like, listen, said, son, you've got one option. I bring you a sandwich and some chips and you eat it or you just got to wait till after the game. He said, okay, just bring me a sandwich. So God, this is what I did, y'all. I'm not exaggerating. I went to Subway and I bought him a six-inch sandwich on plain white Subway bread. I had them put ham, American cheese, and one line of mustard. That's it. <coughs> ham, American, American cheese, and one line of mustard. It was a ham sandwich. That's it. I took it to him, gave it to him, said, man, I hope you like it. I think you will. Just try it. <coughs> try it. Don't look at it and turn your nose up. Just try it. And I said, promise me. He said, okay, I'll try it. And I said, you promise? He said, I promise I'll try it. I leave the whip and the off. I said, there's no way he's going to try it. Somebody just got a free sandwich in that locker room. That's literally what I thought. He wasn't going to eat it. About five minutes down the road, I got a text message from him and it had the big eye emojis and it said, best sandwich ever. <laughs> it was a ham sandwich, right? <laughs> a ham and cheese sandwich and he thinks it's the best sandwich ever. I said, son, do you realize at 15 years old how much of life you've already missed out on just because you won't try anything? Something as simple as a ham sandwich made his day every other game that week. You know what he wanted? A ham sandwich because his life was changed. He had seen a ham sandwich before, but until he put it in his mouth and ate it, he didn't realize how good it was. We've seen things in our life before, but until we experience it, we don't realize how good it really is. And guys, we might be looking at a ham sandwich in our life and thinking there's no way I'm going to touch that. But look what you're missing out on because you don't think it's going to be what you want. When it might be exactly what God has for you. Because sometimes it's literally that simple. And we make life way too hard. A ham sandwich changed my son's life. And it can literally be that simple in your life. So why did I use this for taste and not see? It's this simple. You cannot see the goodness of God until you taste it first. You can't see the goodness of God and how good He is until you experience it first. That's why I use this verse for that one. You have to experience what God has for you before you can actually see how good it is. That young lady in Mississippi experienced how good God was. She had grown up in church, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember the story correctly. She had known about God. She had even seen God. But when she got that taste of how good God was, it changed her life. We can see things in our life and not know how good it is until we've actually tasted it and experienced it. What are we doing with the breath in our lungs? Because it's not ours. 
everything we have physically, spiritually, monetary-wise, home-wise, body-wise, everything we have is a gift from God. And if you want to get real technical with it, it's not even a gift God's letting us borrow it because it's His. He's allowing us to use it. What are we doing to give back to Him? The Bible tells us to be good stewards of what is God's. Everything, our lives are God's. Are we being good stewards with what He's given us? Are we looking at His blessings and actually tasting them? Or are we turning our back on them because I said I've never done that in my life? I've always done it this way. So looking at that doesn't look appetizing. When God put that in your life to tell you just because you've been doing it this way doesn't mean it's the best way. Come try my way. We miss out on so much because we make life too, so difficult. We make it too hard and it's literally that simple. It's literally that simple. Something that easy can change your life. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you have no clue what I'm talking about when I say how good God can be in your life and how much you realize the impact He has on you. You have no clue. You've heard about it, maybe. You've seen other people talk about it, but until you live that moment, you have no good, no idea how good God can be in your life. Because your life literally changes. If you're struggling with anything, follow the plan that God gave us through David. How many times in life when we're struggling, the first thing we want to do is complain. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. First thing we want to do is complain. What's the first thing David did? He praised God. God, I'm going through this right now and I don't get it, but thank you because I know something good is coming. Isn't that the prayer of our church right now? There's a lot of things we don't know why we're going through what we're going through, but I thank God anyways because I know something good is coming. We wouldn't be fault. We wouldn't be fighting battles if we were just sitting back and weren't a threat to Satan. Yes. We're being fault because he doesn't like what's happening here at this church and he's wanting to slow us down. And I just thank God every day because I know that means great things are coming. Get us through it. Get us through it. Keep us focused and keep us going forward because great things are coming. It's coming. It's here. Not just in the church, that's in your personal lives as well. Have you missed the goodness of God because you haven't let yourself experience it yet? If you have, it's a simple time to turn your life straight to Him. You might be saved. You might already know Him as your personal Savior. You might know 100% you're going to heaven. But you haven't been following Him 100% of the time. It's a simple turn. It's a simple change of direction. Don't miss what God has for you in your life just because it's not what you're used to. It's not what you have, what you've always done. Or just because you don't believe that's what it's there for. Find God. Seek Him. Praise Him. 
believe in Him, and everything falls into place. Because God is great. He loves us. He's going to take care of us. He is God. He knows what's going on in your life. And He's good. He's a good Father. And He loves us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day. Thank You for this time we've had to be in Your house, Lord. And I just pray that as we enter this time of invitation, that You just... Lord, if there's someone who's dealing with an issue, Lord, You just you just touch them right now. and Lord, just uh, guide them in the direction You have them to go, Lord. If there's someone here that doesn't know You as Your Savior, Lord, I pray that You'll just have them come and make that commitment to You today, Lord. Invite You into their heart. Gain that eternity in heaven that You've given to us, Lord. Lord, we just thank You for visiting with us today. Lord, we thank You that You take care of us. We're so thankful for all You've done. We praise Your name today. In Your name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas. Reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.